three, two, one. one. Let's go! <laughs> I'm yes. the host of the PVE podcast, Troy Tittlemar, joined in studio, in virtual studio, Matt the Skip Scipion. What is going on, man? How's Colorado? Dude, it's good. It's really cold right now, but, you know, great. It's it's nice being in some different seasons for once. I'll I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. I know you're busy. Uh the the show today was really cool. We'll go around the horn. I want to let Guy Oliver introduce himself, his title. Uh he was the 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 guest of today and I think we got a lot from this show, Skips. What do you think? I definitely think so too. And I think it gave us kind of a better perspective on what we see on site as far as the data coming in and the future of that data. I'm from the UK originally, born in Birmingham, uh, working for GLOG. My title is um, Director of Energy Transition and Data Science. Um, and the responsibilities of the GLOG are looking at basically looking at data, what can we do with data, how can we extract information from the data, how can we deliver that data, how can we generate additional value for our customers, whether that data be um, fresh data from a well, or whether it be legacy data stored in a, in a repository somewhere. And then the energy transition piece is, is building on our heritage of you know, working, um, sitting on geothermal wells around the world. We've logged about 100 or so around the world. Uh, and, and how can we um, get further get involved and in using that, that, that heritage to further get into that, into that geothermal space as well? Coming in hot from one of the coolest lobbies in Houston. Let's just throw it out there. You got the Ducati. You got the first big wheel ever made. (laughs) It is is one of the Maserati seats, the Harley. Yeah, you have to come and ride the Penny Farley. (laughs) I'll pay to watch Skips get on that thing and try to ride that. I'll do it. (laughs) I think we're less than a petition. I was going to say, I don't think the CEO would enjoy it, but I'll do it. (laughs) Do a donut Um, in that thing, man. (laughs) Look, there's a lot that dropped out from this show. You know, we were familiar with Geolog. Obviously, we actually worked with you guys uh, drilling wells in the Permian Basin. So, I mean, there's a lot here. There's there's history here. And and I think that brought a pretty unique perspective for this show. I thought it brought some pretty cool value to this show of really understanding the depth of Geolog the history of geolog, but you know, the real concerns, the modern problems, if you will, that we're looking for and we're driving solutions for machine learning and algorithms and taking this incredible amount of data that we're getting daily, hourly, Mm -hmm. that's reporting back and you're QCing that and you're trying to put it into a model. You're trying to make the right decision of where to perf or what we're expecting as we're drilling ahead. Um, You know, I I thought there was, there was so much here in that show, but for the, the, to sum it all, up understanding that experience and history when QCing the data that's going into the algorithms, into these machines that are helping us to make decisions, helping us to think about the ideas behind the data is incredibly important. And and the value there with Geolog, I thought was was spot on in today's show with Guy Oliver. I sir, I appreciate you taking the time. I really enjoyed sharing this time with you. Uh Skips, what dropped out for you from this show? I mean, kind of to piggyback off of what you just said, having a higher data quality and a higher data resolution in order so you're you're QCing, like you said, on site as as we kind of discuss later on in the show, right? So we're not only just 
trying to figure out where we are on depth. This is kind of where we think we are. We know exactly where we are. We can correlate it with the gamma. And not only that, we're creating this comprehensive model of our reservoir. But I think what's the most important thing, and I think the, the thing that, in my opinion, that needs to be dropped out for any geologist is not only is this data coming in at a very high quality, but it gives you the opportunity to interpret that data in a much more effective and a much more precise way. Because I mean, at the end of the day, as a geologist, right, that's the goal. If the, you know, you can take data at face value, but at the end of the day, we're trying to make predictions and we're trying to make these high level interpretations. And we only can do that if that data speaks to, you know, what we're actually seeing in the earth. Yep. And, it, and it's with cutting, it's real data. You can mm -hmm. measure it. Yeah. You know, you, you can measure it. It's real rock data. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And for me, yeah. Yeah. For, for me, first of all, big, big shout out to you guys. I mean, I love the fact that you you give people um, the platform and forum to basically speak about some of the cool things we're doing in this amazing industry that we work in. Yeah. So big shout out to you guys. Really enjoyed it. It's the first time I've ever done something like this. Um, it was great talking to you guys. It's um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, let's let's, let's you know yeah. let's do it again in a couple of years' time when uh, when all the things I said would happen. Let's hope they will happen. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. We'll, we'll rock it back and say, look at this. They, they predicted this. Uh, on this yeah, day, but, it was predicted. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, thank you for that platform. Yeah. I think what you're doing is great. Right on. Thank you, Dr. Oliver. We really appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, yeah, it's a lot of effort that goes into this and, and we're very engaged. We, we believe in this industry. We believe in the people in it. And there's a lot of change and it, there's a lot of stress. And, and, you know, the next 10 years, I think, for you at Geolog is going to be very, very interesting. The spotlight is on us, uh, you know, within the industry, but certainly out of the industry. There's a lot of what's going on with the oil and gas industry. What's really going to happen in energy transition and how are we actually getting better? So the performance of operators, the performance of service companies over the next 10 years has a very intense spotlight, both external spotlight coming in from just general public. You know, are we doing better? But also, you know, the operators are paying attention now. It is a lot more specific of, oh, who drilled that well? Oh, Oh, that was 10,000 barrels a day. Well, who logged that well? Oh, it was Geolog that logged that well? What's going on, right? Your phone your phone is about to start ringing because we are picking up. The rigs are starting to drill more. We, we see the demand and it's real and we're doing mm -hmm. the best we can. You got 40 years experience. I think the writing will be on the wall. I think you guys' performance will shine and you'll have this inter internal spotlight and external spotlight on you guys. And I'm looking forward yeah. to how you handle that. I'm looking forward yeah. to how you, and, you do and, the face. And we appreciate that as, as, a, as a, you know, we're, we're invested in, in this in this industry, certainly here in, in, the, in the lower 48 and elsewhere around the world. And you know, we, we're sponsoring a lot, of event, a lot of events coming forward. We appreciate that we, we need to do that. So. Maybe this is it's a shout out time for some of the events that we're uh, that we're sponsoring going forward. Do you want to do it? Yes, this is exactly where we can mm -hmm. we can take this. So, Skippo, check this out. Activities, events that Geolog is sponsoring. Major sponsors of PBE, 
We thank you for that, of course, making this possible, keeping us running. And the SPWLA, the SPWLA is, is Wireline Association, right? It's a nonprofit that gets together in the Permian Basin. You got Asquith that always shows up, the legends of the Permian, you know, Calvin <laughs> Surpass, you could find him there, you know, talking about the wirelines and the new technology of downhole stuff. You know, that's what that is. Upcoming activities in the United States, March 10th. Geolog is platinum sponsor of the SPWLA Houston chapter for the upcoming event at Cedar Creek Bar and Grill in Houston, March 10th. Come have a cold one with the team is what it says. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. March 22nd. You don't want to miss this event, it says. Geolog is giving a talk on advanced surface logging in Midland. Permian Basin chapter of the SPWLA. Our guy Isaac Esau. He's going to be coming in. He's live on the mic, Skips. North Americans uh, Advanced Service Champion will be giving the talk April 13th, SBWLA again. Houston Chapter will, uh, will be held at Geologs North American Facility where Guy is right now. So that lobby is going to be filled. No. Are you kidding me? You guys got to start the Ducati that day. Find the keys. The Ducati needs to be started on that day for sure. Uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> that engine just needs to be blown out just for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gonna, oh, cool. This is so Scott. Is it Centula? Centula? Is that his last name? Scott Centula? Yep. Okay. From Quad Operations, we'll be giving a technical talk on pore pressure. That's an interesting one. Pore uh, pressure is. Quad awesome. is a sister yeah. company of Geolog. They're, they're based uh, here in the office. Okay. Uh, and then this one's cool because. Uh, not to uh to you know give it away may 10th skippo there is an invitation only for the 40th anniversary of geolog and it's a golf tournament dude and i think what's going to happen is we're going to take our gear we're going to set up on the tee box we're going to just talk to people about golf we're going to talk to them about what's going on at geolog we're going to talk to all the people that show up to this golf tournament may 10th in houston Plot twist. I don't know if you knew that, Skips, but it's, it's on the it's, calendar uh, now. I'm not missing it's that. On the, <laughs> it's on the calendar, dude. Uh, all right. So Let's May 17th, go. Denver Well Logging Society. Uh, so chapter of SPWLA, Isaac Esau, the legend again, is going in there. And uh, and so those are events to look out for. Those are events that Geolog's being a part of. And, and like we talked in the show, you're delivering you know, real data interpreted data, the technical stuff, you know, you're taking advantage of these amazing platforms that have been around for a long time. You're putting your people on those stages to take questions, concerns, to talk about the data. You know, that's how you're developing the co the company. And and that's certainly where we, we, we came from that, you know, our boots on the ground where we're in the audience of those things. So we, we really appreciate your guys' time and attention to do those events. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Good. Uh, Skips, you got anything? I was going to say, well, just now that COVID's kind of coming down, quote unquote, and, and you know, like these mandates are being released. I mean, this is like the perfect time to, you know, get those communities back together, right? I'm not saying they're going to be where they were pre-COVID or even 10 years ago, but hey, let's get those conversations going again. Let's get those collaborations going again. Let's have a couple cold ones. <laughs> <laughs> the roaring 20s, man. Dude. The roaring 20s. We're, we're, we're in it. 
I'm totally game for that. I think it is coming back. I think, you know, collaboration in person is a big deal and we can go virtual. It doesn't take much to go virtual on top of that for people to still have access to this very, very valuable front lines, you know, information that's being delivered. So we're in, we're in for the long haul, just like Dr. Oliver is with Geolog. We're in it to win it. This episode of PBE Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Geolog. Geolog offers cost-effective, lab-quality, quantitative, real-time formation evaluation and reservoir characterization solutions to improve well placement, production forecasting, and optimizing of completions. They even have a service that can monitor bitware while drilling. I've actually utilized their services while drilling wells in the Permian Basin and we were highly impressed with the data acquisition process and the quality of the interpretations. These guys at Geolog are passionate about the data they collect each day at every well site. They've been doing it for 40 years. They are passionate about drill cuttings, passionate about mud gas data, passionate about what the data means and how the data can add value to an asset. They probably collect the most amount of drill cuttings and mud gas data globally each day of any privately owned surface mug logging company. Geolog always employ a consistent quantitative analytical methodology, whether on the well site or back at the lab. So data collected at one well can be compared at another well. We'll be doing a podcast with Dr. Guy Oliver, Geolog's Director of Energy Transition and Data Science, who will be talking more about what Geolog does and diving more into the types of data they collect. This episode is brought to you by Bell Geospace. Bell Geospace has the gravity data that you need in the Permian Basin to see the structures below your reservoir, to see the structures in the reservoir and above. It's all connected. It all has a lot to say and a lot to do with how much oil, brine, or gas you're getting. You need the data to make better wells. You got to contact Julianne Sharples, jsharples at bellgeo.com or go to bellgeo.com. Check out their data. Check out what they're providing in their FTG, full tensor gravity gradiometry. The data is very high resolution. We did an exciting show, episode 91 with Bell Geospace, interpreting some of that data. Contact them today, drill better wells. Let's go. We are officially starting the conception part of the PBE podcast with Dr. Guy Oliver from Geolog International, Geolog USA, Geolog Worldwide, whatever you want to call this. We're about to learn a lot about it. But first, what's the, the you know, the funnest part for me, I think of the show, I may or may not have whiskey in my coffee. I get to sit back. Skip's going to sit back. And we get to hear the story from Guy Oliver. We get to hear his story, starting with, you know, you love for rocks. When you were a kid, where are you from? I want to know it all. Guy, please, enlighten. Okay, thanks, Troy. Thanks, Matt. Hey, just before we start about me, a couple of shout-outs. I don't mean shout-outs to my mom and dad and my dogs and stuff, but the important thing is I want to, I want to, I want to recognize our customers um, who believe in the philosophy of what we're doing, collecting, generating quality data. You know, our customers, Guyana, Caribbean, Gulf region, Louisiana, East Texas, Midland, uh, Permian Basin, Rockies, Northeast USA, Alaska, and all around the world. That's the first one. The second one is our people. You know, our, our, our staff around the world. And their dedication and commitment to generating quality products is, is phenomenal. 
And those two things, you know, make for a uh, for a great business. You know, we're able to awesome. generate products that people want. Anyway, me. So as you can tell from my accent, I'm from Far East Texas, like 4,700 miles Far East. Um, from the UK originally, born in uh, born in Birmingham, um, UK, not Alabama. Um, <laughs> and um, found my way to uh, to eventually to North Wales. But we'll come back, come to Roberts. We'll come back to that in a minute. So. 26 years in the industry now. Um, I'm still relatively young, even though I have white hair. Um, <laughs> but it started before then. Okay, so um, back in, um, in in high school, um, as you call it here, so um, learning in geology um, in what we call um, sixth form, which is probably equivalent to grades 11 and 12 here in the UK. That's where it all started. Um, so shout out to... My school, Queen Mary's Grammar School, founded in 1554, so it's a little bit older than, than this wonderful country we, uh, we live in. Um, I guess Mr. Holton, um, thank you, Mr. Holton, for getting me interested in geology. And then that, that led to um, Cardiff University, where I did my um, geology degree. Um, uh, Jan Alexander got me interested in sedimentology, uh, which is kind of like where I, where I went. Um, that led to a uh, short internship with uh, Shell UK Expro um, under the guidance of John Marshall. Thank you, John, uh, where I kind of like uh, worked with that team on some of the famous North Sea oil fields like Brentfield, Southern North Sea field like Clipperfield. People will know will know all about that. That led to oh, in Cardiff. Um, shout out to. Uh, off now, Adrian Hartley, I think he was Aberdeen, did some great field work in Northwest Scotland. Some of these people, some of these people, people will know who these, these people are. And then that led to a MSc at Imperial College, Law School of Mines, John Martin. Um, is, it, is that the Imperial College? The From... Imperial College. Let's go. One only. Yeah. And not, not just Imperial College, but the Royal School of Mines, yeah, which is like yeah. a really famous part of... Um, of uh, so living in London was, was really cool. Especially as, as a poor student, you can imagine. But we had we had a great time. Um, some, there's many stories to tell, but probably not for this podcast yet. <laughs> yes, they are for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but um, that's pretty cool. So John Martin taught the reservoir development um, module of that um, MSc, which is all about reservoir geology. So John was ex Shell, so that was really cool. Um, I did my MSc dissertation back with Shell on the Brent field, very famous field in the UK, uh, North, Northern North Sea. Um, so that really got me into reservoir development, development geology. And then beyond that, then my PhD, uh, which I did at um, Plymouth University. Plymouth is a, is a city in the southwest of England um, under the guidance of um, uh, Matt Watkinson and Malcolm Hart. Um, that was really cool. That helped me to understand the importance of sequence geography, geological detail, you know, all that sort of stuff. Why the PhD? The dissertation was focused on high-resolution sequence geography, early diagenesis. I had some, I had some really great field areas. So what? So I had two field areas. One was in uh, southern England, in on the Dorset coastline, which if you've never been, is kind of like really spectacular, fantastic uh, petroleum system. And uh, the other one was in. Um, central um, Portuguese coastline um, in the um, in the Hotarivi um, Lusitanian Basin. So that was really tough, you know, like spending a field season in Portugal. <laughs> but 
you know, hey, someone has to do it. Yeah, so that yeah, was your, cool. your, your sacrifice will not go unnoticed. I just <laughs> want to know. <laughs> so that kind of like that then fast forwarded to uh, joining uh, Robertson in the UK. Um, and I was there basically, um, um, I, can, I guess, spent what, maybe 15 years in the UK and then moved over to, over to Houston. Um, but that really kind of like um, drilled down everything, everything that's, that has happened since has been because of Robertson's key people in, in, in Robertson. Um, so North Wales, key people such as um, Richard Fowler, who was the CEO of the company, Simon Kendall, uh, Rob Crossley, uh, Paddy Clark, John Berry. All these names mean a lot to me. Um, and they kind of like taught me everything from the importance of data, getting hold of data, wrapping your arms around data, but then crucially doing something useful or valuable to that data such that the, the customers can get something from it. They also, was a busy consultancy, worldwide um, um, uh, focus. They also taught me, as, as John Berry would say, the importance of a pound. I mean, a pound coin, not a pound in weight. And in terms of that, by that I mean, you know, being able to generate, um, generate uh, work, data, products efficiently, effectively, and generating value for the customer. Um, Let's rock it back real quick, real quick. I want to rock it back, as Skips would say, to your. I'm sorry, your. Uh, geography and your high school you know your 11th and 12th grade your your attraction to geography you're talking about kind of the the landscapes and the edges of the continents and kind of the oceans like right you're mapping the world and 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 that's where it all began that's geography is what locked you into to geology yeah you got it right because we um at the time um i couldn't even spell geology yeah i didn't need to know because because geography was taught back in the UK. There was human geography and physical geography. The physical geography was the bit I was really interested in. That was weathering, erosion, uh, deep environments, that type of thing. And that, that led. And then we, we did a geology course only in, in what we call sixth form. Um, and so that was that was a really cool thing. And, and that's, that, that really is where it, where it all started. Uh, wow. How many uh, – did everybody have to go through that class? Did the whole school no, have to go through – It was optional. So you basically – when you're in sixth form – at the time, you got to pick um, studies that you want to do, and, and geology was one of the options. So I, I picked that along with other subjects like you know, biology and chemistry. And, right on. Uh, mm, what did your mom and dad awesome. do? What your where your yeah the genes that made you? Your mom and dad are they scientists? No, my dad's an accountant. Uh, my mom's a, a great mom, and, and was basically um, uh, at the time she was um, a state agent, a realtor. Um, so yeah, no, there was no no geology bones at all in, 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 the, <laughs> in the family. So no idea where it came from, but no, it's, it's been pretty cool ever since. Um, what when when did you get your PhD? I got my when I got it in nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. So your PhD was sedimentology focused and early diagenesis. You're talking about you know, a hydrothermal event, hot waters or something coming in after the sedimentology has made itself and put itself together under gravity, something comes in and alters the porosity. It alters the, the features that's happening in the sedimentology. Is that what you're saying with early so diagenesis? It's, 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 it's high resolution sequence figures. So it's basically about how a set, how a basin fills, okay, with sea level, uh, whether it's sea level rises and falls. Um, and basically what, when sediment is deposited, depending on where that sediment is, where it's in, 
shallow water, whether it's subaerial, mm. then different um, diagenetic, early diagenetic effects happen. So the point of the of the of the dissertation was: can we use one to mm. predict the other? So at a at a at a power sequence boundary, various things happen at a at a low stand systems track boundary or transgressive surface. Various things things happen. So that was the whole the whole purpose of it. That's, that's, that was pretty cool. So it's all about basin fill and and tracking um, um, basin fill um, using sedimentology and early diagenesis. It was a long time ago, 1996. <laughs> uh, Oasis was uh, was a bit big in, in terms of music at the time. Um, and so how, how long ago was 1996? Well, nearly 30 <laughs> years ago. I don't know. <laughs> it was. Uh, I think it was the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, it's a good year, year for you, that. Troy. That's a great uh, year for I'm you. Still, still riding that one. <laughs> still waiting, yeah. Still waiting. <laughs> All right. So, and then the well, when you get into Robertson, how did that go? You're a PhD candidate. I mean, you're like the cream of the crop at a school. You're the PhD. You're graduating. You're going to go into the workforce. How did how did you develop the relationships of those people at Robertson, or how did you actually get that job? Did you just go pound on the door and ask for an opportunity? What happened? Yeah, it's, it's contacts as always. So basically, it was a, it was probably the toughest interview I've, I've ever had, and I have to thank uh, Rob Crossley for that. And I hope he'll listen to this. But uh, it was like over a number of days, it was lots, lots of talking, lots of uh, testing. But I joined it, and you join it, you know, even though I've got this this, this podcast, you join it at the bottom of the pile, yeah. And I remember distinctly the uh, first day. I was really proud. You know, I was there. I kept went into the office soon. Tie, you know, shiny new pen, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I sat in my office, and they dumped a load of literally. They, they dumped it was it was it was Paddy Clark's fault. He dumped a, a, a load of cuttings on my desk and said, "Here you are, from from the Allison field, which is the North Sea field. Here you are. Do something with this. We need to report to the customer. This was Monday morning. We need to report to the customer Friday afternoon." And then he walked off. And then I thought. Oh, okay. What am I supposed to do with this? But anyway, <laughs> we, we we got through it, and I was really proud because it was the first time I, you know, I'd ever done something like that in that short space of time. You know, it was like you know, it was basically four and a half days, um, and the customer needed needed the data. So that kind of like, that, that that was a starting point. But you know, I kind of like, um, you know, built up through that, and uh, ended up um, being um, director of that of that company and, and running the tech services group and, and traveling the world as well. Um, so that's a great thing about that business. It was based in North Wales, but it had a reach all around, all around the world. So, you know, we, I was spending a lot of time in the Middle East, North Africa, um, Southeast Asia, um, you, um, Norway, UK, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really cool from that point of view. You get to go to really nice, well, every place is interesting. You get to go to places off the beaten track. Uh, like if anyone, you know, those, Hassi Masu in uh, central Algeria, Khartoum in Sudan. You get to go to nice places like you know, Perth in, uh, in Western Australia. Um, you and all these you mentioned stuff. Sudan. You mentioned Sudan. And in a previous call, you know, getting to know you, setting up this call, you've got a heck <laughs> of a, you got a real wild story. And can you go back to your time and what you were doing while you were in Sudan and what happened while you were there real quick? Can we put this on record? So it was two thousand summer 2005. I was with um, uh, Pat Barnard, who's a, you know, a colleague and a good friend. 
Um, and we, um, the, the detail, the mem my memory's a bit sketchy, but uh, we were, we done some work for the uh, national labs, Sudan national labs. It was a geochemistry project and we'd gone over there to present the, the, the data. So um, the, the, their labs and offices on the outskirts of, of Khartoum. I'm sure people who listen to this podcast, some of them will have been, will have been to Khartoum. It was 2005, I think, if I remember rightly, August. And we, we, were, we, were, we were presenting the results. It was, it was in the morning. And I just think of them. So we'd driven out to this place. And uh, Pat, Pat was presenting. And I, was, I, I, I looked out the window at one point, And I could see smoke rising where, where the downtown was, which was about 20 miles away. And then suddenly, um, the, the guys that we were with, um, they all started, you could tell they were defocused on what Pat was talking about. Not because of Pat, but because something was going on. Then suddenly, one guy stood up and said, we, we're going to have to, the, the guy in charge, we're going to have to stop this presentation. We've got to get you back to, to the hotel. There's, there's problems in cartoon. So, okay, fine. So, um, so they bundled us back into you know, one, of the, one of these uh, vans that have curtains on the windows. So they bundled us back into this van and we drove, we, we drove back into the city centre. And what we realised um, was that as we kind of like turned a corner, there was a full-blown riot going on, like you know, um, looting, um, broken glass, cars set on fire, cars overturned. And this, this guy had to pick his way through all this to get us to the hotel, which is the only kind of like a, you know, three or four star, three-star hotel in Khartoum, where most, where most of the Western people um, stay. And we walked in and all the UN guards were there basically uh, with their guns pointed outwards onto the street. And we got in, what is going on? And so I went up to the room, turned on BBC, um, BBC News. And there was, uh, what happened was the, the, the it was, it was, a, it was just at the time when they kind of like had this, this peace in Sudan and the, the vice president, who was from one faction, um, had been killed in a helicopter crash. And so it turns out that, that it was, it was, a, it was engine, engine malfunction, but everybody assumed it'd be, you know, I think it'd been shot down, but it hadn't. And so there was rioting in the streets, there was, there was a curfew set up, there was all sorts of things. And uh, all the airlines had stopped flying into Khartoum and, and Pat and I said, we've got to get out of here. And, um, and as I said to you, it was one of those things where I was watching the BBC News and they were filming our hotel from the outside with all the smoke rising around it. And I was there, look, that's me in the, in the window. Um, <laughs> so we had, we, we had to get out, yeah? And, and none of the airlines, every, every airline had, had, had stopped flying to Khartoum apart from Lufthansa. And they had one, one, the last flight going out, which was like at midnight. But there was a, there was a curfew imposed. And so we said, well, how are we going to get to the airport? The airport's about a 20-mile drive outside of Khartoum. So we, 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 we contacted our agents and... Our, our agent basically said, no problem, no problem. We can, we, can, we can get you a piece of paper that says that you're allowed to go to the airport. So they said, here's this bit of paper written in Arabic, and neither of us spoke Arabic, so we had no idea what it said. <laughs> and then we managed to, um, to convince a, a, a driver to take us to the airport. And, and so we, we had to, to the dead of night, no lights, to go past all these checkpoints uh, and try and get past them, get to the airport, if we managed to somehow. And then we got to the airport, and you can imagine there was a thousand people thousands of people there trying to get onto the one last plane getting out of Khartoum. Uh, but we always took cash with us um, sensibly. So we're able to basically buy ourselves a ticket, two tickets on, onto that plane and, and, and off we went. But that was, a, that was an experience, to say wow. the least. Um, 
I uh, thought you were going to tell me you slipped like a ski mask on, you went out acting like a looter or something, <laughs> and then you got into a car and, or on a motorcycle and you just fucking <laughs> bail. You got out of there, you know? <laughs> at, 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 at the time, it was, it, was, it, was, it was just surreal. It was bizarre oh. you know, that, you're, uh, that you're driving through and, and these checkpoints, these guards are like, you know, they, they don't mess around. Yeah? And, uh, and, and all that we had was this piece of paper with Arabic written on it basically, which we assume said, these guys are really important. Please let them through. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that was, that was life at, um, at Robertson. And then, and then um, in 2011, I moved to, to Houston uh, with, with uh, at, at the time, it was Fuga Robertson. Um, and we kind of like set up a, um, a, a, a consulting group um, here. Um, and that was so sort of a big shout out to Mark Weber, who's my boss. And, basically helped me help me through all that. So that was the those are the Robertson days. And yeah, I think they're fundamental to everything that's happened since was that that time in, in that um, great company. Wow. Are they still around? What's going on with Robertson? So so Robertson is now part of C it was it was um it was uh, well CG acquired the, the geoscience division of Fugro in 2013, which Robertson was part of. So that that group is now part of uh, of CG. Right on. Okay. And gotcha. you spent some time working for CGG technically, didn't you? Before Geolog? Yeah, yeah. So so from 2013 until um, until last year I was with CGG here in, in the US, headed up the uh, uh, reservoir characterization group of um, in uh, in the US. Um, one of the great things about uh, working CGG is I got the um, I had the ability to um, to go to um, setup, which is a fantastic uh, place. It's it's a, it's a it's kind of like a, it's the center for European um, business development. It's based in Fontainebleau in um, just south, southeast of Paris. Um, and it was mind blowing. It was just, um, it was, I was very, very honored to be, to be picked to go there. It's basically executive development. Um, and some of the teachings on innovation, you know, blue ocean theory, you may have heard of that, that kind of like originated from, from people who work in, in setup, uh, storytelling, leadership, Wants of people, key influence there, um, Thomas Hinterseer, Jens Mayer, Christoph Gile. Um, and it's kind of like a club. So um, companies like Renault and L'Oreal basically sponsor it and, um, and they put their people through this, um, this management, um, management training. So it really opened my eyes to innovation, particularly um, storytelling. That was, that was really cool. Um, and, and leadership and that type of thing. So been able to communicate effectively, um, been able to innovate, understanding what innovation means from both the, the idea generation, generating something that is um, useful to a customer, that a customer will pay for. Um, those sorts of things, just, that was like, you know, it was, it was great. So I, I'd recommend that. I, I can't say enough good things about um, setup. Um, right on. So Did you get to work with Graham cool. Spence? Uh, yes, Graham and I work together. Yeah, nice. uh, we've got known Graham for many, many years. Um, right on. Uh, so Graham now, uh, you know, obviously working for another company. Uh, oh, but yeah, yeah. now we have some great times together. Right on. Yeah, I could say the same. Uh, <laughs> right on. Okay, so now Geolog, right? You get into Geolog. You got all this history. You got all this experience. You know, when you're traveling the world, you got to have a fistful of cash just in case. You know, you're you're, you're ready. You're ready for anything. What what was it about Geolog? What is it about Geolog? You know that that gets you going. That gets you up before your alarm clock goes. 
You know, you know the great thing about um, the great thing about Geelong as a company. Well, two, there's a number of great things about Geelong. First of all, it's a private, privately owned company. Right? So, you know, I have a um, my boss is is the CEO of the company. I have a direct line to him. We, we chat on a regular. He's actually here. Uh, he's based in Dubai. But he's uh, coincidentally he's here. Um, he's here. You may see him uh, walk behind me um, uh, sometime. <laughs> so that's really cool. So it's a privately owned company, um, and, and so. Um, very short, short reporting lines, very quick decision making. That's number one. Secondly, the other thing that's really cool about this company is, is the value they hold in generating quality data, right? Which kind of like will segue into, into what I'm doing and where I am. But um, but those two those two things are really good. So I really like the fact that I'm back um, handling working data, doing technical work, building businesses. Building uh, all that stuff is, is 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 really is really cool, and that and the data I'm handling is cuttings data. So it brings brings me back full circle to you know that that sedimentological uh, background, which is which is where 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 I, I live, where where I belong. So I mean, it takes it takes you back to that interview at Robertson. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 The, which the, the toughest interview in the world. That yeah. That's the one about, yeah. So look, when, I don't when, care. Um, it's- if it's for a job that you're being a barista or a geologist, your interview should start with a sack of cuttings and tell me what's going on here. <laughs> so, so that was it. Back in that, back in Robertson, they they spring this on you. They basically they they, they put out um, a length of core, right? And said, like, go on, you've got thirty minutes to describe it, right? Okay, that's fine. So do do that. Then they then they give you a load of. Um, Thin sections, so you got thirty minutes to describe these thin sections. That, that, I, I don't know what it's like now, but that was what it was like back in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, and um, yeah, it really puts you on the spot, man. You know, um, so that's really that, that, that was that, that was really cool. But yeah, it's gone full circle. Yeah, so now we're basically we're you know, so geology. The geolog is a company that probably collects. I'd say it probably collects the most amount of um, surface data from from drilled wells. Every any any day, certainly certainly the, the, the um, from private from a private company point of view, we have you know we were on hundreds of wells around the world collecting data, whether it be mud gas data, whether it be cuttings data, and then we're doing cool things with that data, mm-hmm. um, um, and and our customers to the value of our customers. That's really cool. And so when I when I joined the company, so I, I have a I have a title which is energy transition and data science, and so. The data science piece is really trying to better understand what we can do with data, what we can generate from that data um, for, the, for, for the benefit of our customers. And how can we do it efficiently, quickly, but always maintaining the, the quality and the consistency of the way that data is, is analyzed, whether it be cuttings data, whether it be mud gas data, whether it be drilling data, the three main tranches of, of, of that. And then the energy transition piece is, you know, um, we'll get to it in a minute. You may not realize that the, the actually this is the first well that Geelong ever sat on was actually a geothermal well in the Po Valley in, in Italy. And so it has this um, heritage of, of geothermal activity going back to, to um, um, 1982, which means that this is our 40th anniversary this year. And so the energy transition piece is all about, you know, well, you know, um, can we further explore and um, further um, 
focus on our geothermal history as well as our oil and gas history. So that's the energy transition piece as well, which is really quite interesting uh, as well. So. Yeah, love that. I love that it's the energy coming from the earth, the subsurface mm. is what the focus is, not from the sun or the wind or whatever. Those are cool. Yeah. Geothermal and oil and gas, are bit, uh, that's the way to go. The two, yeah, the two places where, where, where everybody is, everybody should be really like that really is huge. Yeah. So. you want to say something? Uh, I was going to say, so Poe Valley, is that, you're looking at Jurassic sediments there for the most part? Is that what you're drilling into? I, I, yeah. I'm semi-familiar with the geology in Italy, and I'm just curious because there's that that northern Italy, that stretch between, you know, like just south of Milan all the way, you know, to basically yeah. Geneva, that that whole area is just it's it's a crockpot and disaster and it's beautiful. So, I, yeah, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. So I so I, I don't I don't know. Um, OK, but, it, but, it's, but it's pretty cool because the you mentioned Milan and obviously uh one of our, our main base, like where the company, like where it started from, is, is Milan. So it's mm -hmm. a, 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 a Italian company. Um, so in Milan, that's where all our manufacturing is done. We have probably the largest population in Milan. We have our uh, geotech uh, labs in, in, in Milan. Um, so you know, that's kind of like the, the heart and soul of, uh, of, of the company. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I was going to say, so, oh, what? Yeah, one last question. So you know, you're go you're traveling the world, Robertson, and now you're at Geolog, and you're like, like you said at the very beginning of this, you shouted out not only you know the company itself, but you know all the people and all the areas that you're working from. You know, like you said, North Africa to the Middle East to all across the U.S. Has this been the largest amount of data that you've had a chance to look at, as far as just like big picture geology? Yeah, it's quite interesting because. Um... You know, in the early days, and we we uh, we uh, Robertson had a, had a tremendous database that had been collected over the years. Um, so this is probably comparable. Um, a lot of the work that Geolog does is on a proprietary basis. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what we're trying to do now is obviously build build data sets as well, build databases, and try and get some collaboration in terms of uh, of, of, of consortiums and, and, and this type of thing. So it's probably comparable. But the, the amount, certainly the amount of data collected on a daily basis, this is probably the largest um, globally um, that, I've, that I've ever um, um, been a part of. So we are officially going into the drill down segment with Dr. Guy Oliver from Geolog. Sir, what I like to visualize thinking about what we're talking about is, you know, like we're, we're, we're sitting on the moon, we're looking at the planet. And you got all these 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 like uh, pin marks of where the units are that Geolog has around the world that right now are collecting twenty four seven gas cuttings and now I mean it's it's doing everything drill bit rotation weight on bit you're getting all that data back from every one of those units it's all coming to the servers it's all getting kind of QC'd and then put back onto the operators or back into a into a uh, the ability to interpret it, the ability to say what is what's the Earth telling us right now at the drill bit, you know that visualization is what I get when I think of geolog now, and it, well, what you've teed us up with. You actually see all this data. You actually talk to the people that are handling all this data from boots on the ground to the servers to delivering a product. You know, walk us through that. What is that? How many data points is that? Maybe maybe I can take it back a little bit further because maybe some of the uh, 
the, the, the listeners and viewers maybe don't even know who Geolog is. So maybe let's just step back a little bit, sort of tell you a little bit about uh, Geolog. I know we mentioned it slightly in, in the previous section, but you know, Geolog is a world leader in oil field services, delivering you know, comprehensive, quality, consistent uh, solutions, data to our customer base. We're a private company, um, you know, headquartered out of Dubai with a with a, a key manufacturing facility in, in we make all our own all our own equipment. Um, we, we make our own um, uh, logging units or equipment. Everything is is field ready, which is really cool. Um, the company is forty years old this year, which is which is pretty amazing as well. So it was founded in in um, in, in Milan and in Italy to provide mud logging services for for ENI. Um, and as I said before, on ge geothermal and um, oil and gas wells. Um, the other great thing about Geolog is that there's a really strong culture in R&D, um, investment, technical development, which is why everything we do, as I said, is field ready. So whilst we, we do analysis in the laboratory, we do analysis in the field, you know, it's all basically can all be interchanged, which is, which is really cool. Um, a little bit more about the history, I think, of Geolog. So in 1994, it, it, it went from um, basically focused on Italy to basically expanding internationally into North Africa, mainly following following ENI, but but um, expanding out to where we are now, where we have um, offices or bases in 70 countries around the world, um, employing 1,500 staff, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's really, really cool. And... Um, I think we have around about 350 mobile laboratories. You mentioned these, you know, looking down from the moon, yeah, around the world working, uh, sitting on well site, collecting data, um, monitoring um, um, drilling issues. That data is all fed into a system and it basically goes, you know, directly to the customer and or we basically interpret and work that, work that data to generate um, an interpretation and value add for the customer. And all, all that is, is, is really, really cool. Quality of the data is important, yeah? Quality of the data is important because what I, what I really like about this, this is, is, is quality and consistency. Um, to me, it's really important that if you're generating data from well A, then you can generate the same quality data when well B using the same approach and therefore, you can compare the data from well A with well B. Yeah, and that's really important when you start to basically understand the, the hydrocarbon habitat and try to understand the, the asset. We're doing, we're doing a, a project for a customer at the moment where it's like a six-mile program. So collecting you know, mud gas data, collecting cuttings data, everything is measured in a consistent way so that we can correlate um, the hydrocarbon species, we can correlate the... the uh, the lithofascies to, to basically generate a framework for that particular asset. Um, and so the customer can better understand the hydrocarbon habitat, better understand the heterogeneities of both the fluids and the, and, and the, the, the reservoir. It's really cool, you know, to be able to do that. And you touch on a cool, and a, in my opinion, a great point there. You're not only looking at the rock, right? You're looking at the fluids and you're looking at the gases coming out of the hole because sure. I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand the true value in, especially when you know you're talking about either unconventionals or like in any kind of newer field or new prospect, yeah. understanding 
how those fluids are interacting with what kind of rock. And then on top of that, what kind of gases are yeah. they created from yeah. that interaction? Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's continuous. And, and so it's a continuous, continuous data set. It's basically um, hydrocarbon species. It's, it's isotope data. It's um, uh, C1 to C8. And, and I'm not going to talk about it much today because my colleagues are going to be doing other, other podcasts, um, probably, probably with you guys. So I don't want to steal their thunder, but it's, it's a big part <laughs> of, of what we do. Yeah. Um, so collecting that mud gas data and, and consistently. So it's not just point data, it's consistent data. It's, it's basically log quality data. And it, and it's, uh, it reveals such a lot about, um, you know, the interaction between the gas data, the ROP, um, uh, the, um, and, and the, the other drilling parameters is, is really quite important. Uh, so I'm, I'm learning a lot as well because, you know, I'm a, I'm a lowly little sedimentologist, uh, less so a geochemist. So um, I'm learning a lot from these, these guys as well, which is really cool. The thing that I like about it is how that then interacts with the, the lithofascies and the lithotyping. So you bring in reservoir quality into the, into the, into the, um, into the issue as well. So that's really cool. Um, what else do I want to say about geolog? Um, a couple of other things which are really important. Um, two years LTI free. Uh, we're very proud of, of, of that. So we put a lot of people in, into you know, fairly dangerous places. You know, you know, you've all been, on, all been on, on well site. So two years LTI free is really cool. The other thing that's not really like about this company, because it's privately held, is there's, a, there's a, uh, a large emphasis on social responsibility around the world. So the, um, the, the owners of the company um, are very quick to invest in, in charitable foundations around the world. Um, you know, helping helping uh, local populations of where we of where we where we operate. So I think that's really cool. Nice, nice. So how do you do the hiring and the moving around of of individuals around the world? I mean, like if you have a job that pops up in some country where you don't have a real local presence. How do you go about deciding who goes there, or do you do you go into the local universities and find people that are looking for a job, and and you teach them, and then you get them on location? How does that all go? Yeah, so we have we have a staffing of around fifteen hundred people, and we have we have kind of like a university um, in in the companies. So we have a, we have a, a trainer program, so people start at a particular level, and they they after various experience and working with the equipment and experience, they they move up into so we have we have kind of like what we call you know, I guess we call them expats who basically are able to to, to parachute into a particular job in a particular area. We have key staff in those areas as well, um, and then and then that's supplemented by by other other people. It really all depends on what the job is, whether it's an advanced job or whether it's a basic job, as as to who we are. So you know, jobs we have in the US here, we have our own staff working on them. We have people from Milan coming in to help. So we have quality expertise. And the customers really like that as well because uh, they want somebody operating the, the equipment who's got the experience and the longevity and dare I say it, the white, the white hair, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> take, take your cap off, Troy. Like, you know, we can we compare <laughs> <got> no hair. <laughs> we can compare hair, yeah? <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. So the, so the experience is, is key because, because uh, you know, that, that's a big part of what we do. So we have a, a university system. We have a, uh, a teaching center in, in Turkey uh, where, where people go there, our staff go there and basically learn how to use the equipment. And, and then we have a, 
have a um, a scheme where people can move up move up the ladder, if you like, you know, based on time experience. So, so that's that's really cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. That it's interesting to think about like the different maybe operator rules between countries, you know, what equipment is allowed even to be used in this, you know, in USA versus over there, or how that how that all goes. I mean, wow, 1500 employees. I mean, what you're talking about just seems so interesting. Yeah. I, you know, doing yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a logistical um, machine basically in terms of getting the right people and the right equipment into the right place to be able to do to, to the job. I sound like an Amazon app yeah. now, but basically, yeah. <laughs> basically, the, 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 there are parallels here because if you look at the early days of Amazon, it was always about getting getting the right things into the right place to be able to deliver to the customer. Yeah, so the right people, right product, mm -hmm. and, and and that's how Amazon grew from a very small bookseller into this this um, global giant as it is now uh, by being able to understand how to do that effectively and, and geolog in terms of the space that it's operating in is doing exactly the same thing wow you know we we actually utilize geolog on drilling some wells so me and skips mm -hmm. have actual experience of what you know you guys offer and we we did a full kind of full metal jacket on the thing we did a yeah. lot of stuff we looked at drill bit where we were monitoring that we were looking for fractures while drilling right using that technology and those ideas yeah. uh, we were doing xrf with the gamma our gamma ray xrf so we were able to put all that data back on the vertical logs of a of an actual wireline log right so you're looking at gamma ray from a wireline very high res very accurate and then this mystery of you know ah well it could have came from here with the cuttings you know plus or minus 15 feet because there's that you know that lag and how they calculate depth and all that on cuttings well when you have xrf gamma ray boom mm -hmm. all of a sudden that thing's tracking the logs and we're going, okay, yeah. we feel very confident about this one. We don't feel very confident about that one. It was actually Isaac Esau. He was the yeah. guy that would come Man. in and say. Shout yeah. out to Isaac. Yeah, yeah he's upstairs busily working away at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, exactly. And then that's, that's all. Uh, and I, I didn't pay you anything to say that. I don't think no. That. No. Well, well, and, then, and then on top of that, and I think this was, in our opinion, in my opinion, where it was the most helpful is when we were doing you know, the horizontal or the deviated portion of our well, right? Is because we were able to track, hey, look, maybe, you know, we ran this pilot and this is, we can correlate this across formation, but then all of a sudden, you know, we're looking at XRF gamma and we're just like, dude, this thing is changing a lot. This thing is changing way more than we were even expecting. And, you know, it helped us figure out the completion design, right? Because things had to change based on how that rock was changing in formation, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is... And, I mean, this, this is great because this, this kind of like segues into like um, basically what I'm doing here, which is what I want to you know, really talk about, which is cutting data. And, um, you know, the things you're saying are really important, especially if you're um, using um, um, MPD, managed pressure drilling, or gas clusters, things like that. The solid return to the surface is, is, is you know, it's not um, it's not a standard, you know. It, it changes, especially on these long laterals. And until you you get that cuttings data, we call, I call it dynamic uh, dynamic data shifting. Unless you, so you know, it's not just bulk shifting. You have to basically look at it with some detail. Until you get that in the right place, then none of that cuttings data means anything. And you know, when we look at cuttings, we're looking at both the inorganic and the and, and the organic phase. We'll come to that in, in a minute, but. Um, um, but yeah, it's really cool that you, you use uh, GLOS services and uh, generate some value, which is which is excellent. 
I wanted to go using that and experience of like the QCing part. You know, it, it's one thing when you finally realize that, okay, the gamma ray is actually reading incorrectly and you're going to have to divide it by a hundred or something because this, this, it's off scale and it's just something wrong with the gamma. There's something wrong with the tool. That's one thing for QCing. But then there's the whole, you know, is it being interpreted correctly? Is this actually a carbonate or a dolomite or a shale? Are they actually seeing what the cutting really is? And is it, is it accurate? The XRF data and XRD data stacked on top of that was, was a, a QC in itself of the interpretation of what the logger was thinking we were seeing or what I was even out there looking at and thinking I was seeing. You had the XRF and the XRD to follow that up with. So I just want to talk about QCing just kind of generally from your standpoint, you know, how are you doing that? How do you guys keep track of all that equipment failure, equipment possible failure versus, you know, the, the guys, you know, possibly sleeping on the job right now. He's, he's calling the wrong rocks. You know, how are you validating what's really going on? And and, and and it's a key part. So, you know, so the the process is obviously the samples are caught um, by uh, sample catchers and shakers and then the bags are, 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 are labeled with the, with the depth, which we assume to be the bottom depth. Okay, now the well site, they'll, they'll make a, a brief lithological description, and then those bags will, will come back to us, and assuming the customer is, a, is paying the service. So we have this, this new service called Digital Cuttings. Um, so where Digital Cuttings, what we're looking at is not just the elemental data from the XRF, but we're also um, looking at um, image analysis. So we're imaging the cuttings we're taking high-resolution photographs of them, and then we're extracting the high-resolution color extraction. And we're using that color extraction data along with the elemental data to allow us to QC the data, make sure it's in the right place, and then interpret that data from a uh, lithofascist point of view. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, we see did this, did this really cool job where the, the long, it was, it's in the Delaware Basin, looking at the Harkin Sands, the long lateral, gamma ray was pretty flat. Okay, so the gamma ray is pretty flat, which, which is maybe a good sign, but it means we're probably um, in the reservoir. But from the imaging data and the, and the XRF, the elemental data, particularly the, the, the anoxic uh, readers like uh, uranium, for example, um, we saw some changes. And so I was able to basically um, interpret that data, analyze it, generate lithofascies, and we're able to identify, you know, are we in overbank deposits, are we in the channel axis? Have we, have we hit the channel base? Are we back in the channel axis? And so that long lateral, which was originally a flat gamma, has now been divided into four or five distinct lithotypes. And of course, that has an impact on fascias. And, and fascias has an impact on reservoir quality. And reservoir quality has an impact on, on you know, whether which one of the best reservoir, reservoir type for gas storage, in this case, for, for like where the gas is coming from or, or hydrocarbons. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a full circle, yeah. Um, yeah. but it all goes back to proper handling of the data, both in terms of you know washing, drying, but in terms of making sure that data is in the right place, the QCs you're talking about, before you can actually um, in, interpret it, which is which is really cool. Um, so yeah, so so the other thing that's really interesting is that now we're not just looking at um, proprietary data that comes off the well site, but we're also combining that with legacy data sets that are, that are you know, available from um, you know, state government repositories around the world. Um, and we're collecting this data and when we're, we're, we're analyzing it in the same system way, cuttings data. 
comparing it. So you've got fresh data, legacy data, all analyzed the same way. Um, and, um, and then we're able to build these like regional um, frameworks looking at not just the asset, but, but how does that asset, how does that, how does that um, fascies, those fascies um, vary um, spatially within, within the particular play? Um, that's really cool. We're looking at inorganic and anorganic data as well as in the cuttings. Um, so it's all really exciting stuff. Yeah, it's front front lines. Technology, it's front lines of interpretation too. What you're talking about, uh, precision beats power and the industries in the horizontal play in the Permian for sure is going that way with precision the, beats power. To me, to me, there's, there's a number of key things. So quality of the, the data that's been generated, consistency. So, you know, we see a lot of, there's been lots of like um, um, acquisitions and mergers and, and customers are, are, are getting hold of you know, lots of data sets from, from these mergers, these acquisitions. And then in this case, of, well, what do we do with this data? You know, because it's, there's no, there's no, um, there's no um, history. We don't know how this data was generated. You know, so, so you, suddenly you kind of lose that consistency. And then you need to then start thinking, well, am I comparing apples with apples? That new data that I've got, can I directly compare it with the, the, the existing data I have? So you need to start thinking about all that as well. And I wrote this small article for um, GeoExplorer um, last month, uh, one of the one, one minute reads. And it's all about, you know, in this world of this AI driven, machine learning driven, which is really cool because, because of the efficiencies gained from that. But I, my concern is, have we lost um, the, the vision, the, the importance of the, the original data set, you know? making sure the original data set that goes into these really cool scripts and models has to be right, has to be good, yeah? And, and whilst we, we go on this, this juggernaut, uh, basically, of um, machine learning, AI, Python scripting, we need to go back, in my opinion, and check that the data is, is right in the first place. So what we're doing, we're doing things yeah. in that space as well, and like basically going back doing that um, in, in some of the areas we work in. Uh, like, um, you know, consortium studies where we're basically, we're closed, you know, private consortium studies where, you know, we've got, you know, three or four customers sharing data um, and basically everything being measured consistently in the laboratory or the well site so that, and that data being shared amongst those, amongst those contributors. Um, so we get this, this, this better view, you know, you as a customer may have a good handle on or make it up the wolf camp A in, in your asset, but do you know what's happening elsewhere or do you have a good hand, handle on, you know, um, the um, uh, bone springs, the bone spring or wolf camp C or that type of thing, yeah? And by sharing data, does that, would that help you? And that's what we're, we're doing, thing. we're doing that, we're in that sort of space as well now, which is, which is different, which is a new thing for Geolog. Wow. Yeah. What's the name of that consortium? How do people get involved or how do people reach out to find out more? Yeah. So we feel like there is, apart from just calling it consortiums, I mean, we feel like Neil and I are working on various ones in various various basins and areas and talking to people. And um, and so we're looking at setting up one in the Delaware um, at the moment and others in, in other areas. But the business model is portable. Yeah. The business model is, 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 is simply, you know, if you're if you if you have a philosophy of, of happy to share data and sharing the costs of of that consistent framework, then the consortium is for you. So that's pretty good. We're quite excited about that as well. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, I bet. 
Yeah, that's cool. So you guys are not only getting all this data back, but you're also on the front and you're helping to integrate and collaborate, Correct. And figure it out. You know, you yeah. and you guys have this incredibly high resolution data that's telling us, you know, what's going on in the what you call the hydrocarbon habitat, right? Yeah. From rock to fluid to gases. How is it density yeah. stratified? You know, how are the cuttings changing as you're getting through the reservoir from yeah. top to base. I mean, that that is incredibly valuable information. Yeah, we're, we're not just your standard surface logging company. We're, 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 we're kind of like really, really pushing the boundaries in terms of, of science and technology. And most importantly, the, the key thing is we want to generate value from our customers, you know, uh, uh, above and beyond what uh, the traditional surface logging um, company. Well, I think that's a great way to segue into the completion part of the show. Bang. Are you guys up for that? You want to touch on anything else in the drill down? Because you, you really set us up good for, you know, where is Geolog going from here? What are you working on? Mm. And how do you see the industry going in the next five to 10 years? I mean, you're building consortiums for basin stuff. You got carbonates. You got around the world basins that you can start building consortiums in and, and applying, you know, this frontline research that you're doing. You know, are, are you ready to go into the completion and yeah, talk so about I, this? I have two, two quotes associated with, uh, which, which I thought were pretty cool. So one's from the Dalai Lama. Um, and the quote is, I'll read it here, share your knowledge, it is a way to achieve immortality. So I can't promise immortality if you join one of these consortiums, but I can certainly um, <laughs> promise that sharing knowledge is really, really important. And the, and the other one is from a, um, a, um, from, uh, a uh, three, uh, 312 BC, and, I, and apologies if my pronunciation is, is not, it's from a Chinese philosopher, um, Junzi, I think it is. Um, and, and the quote is, um, which also be translated, in order to properly understand the big picture, everyone should fear becoming mentally clouded and obsessed with one small section of truth. It's pretty cool, yeah? Now, I'm not sure whether it's a direct translation, but anyway, the mm -hmm. point is, the philosophy of that quote is, you know, you can either be focused on one area and, and the big picture escapes you, or you can look at the big picture to help you answer um, what's going on. On in, in, in your one space, mm -hmm. so I really like those, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so you know, sharing data, generating, yeah, generating quality, consistent data, whether it be at the well site, whether it be in the laboratory, that's our philosophy, that's who we are, right? On, right on, uh, okay. Are we going to start the completions part of the PBE podcast? Are you ready, Dr. Guy Oliver? I'm ready, Skippo. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. So the completion part of the PBE podcast is always a good time because we're talking about, you know, today we need real solutions. Today, there are the operators that are really diving into new ideas and new ways to apply the data, QC the data, put it in machine algorithms and, and all that stuff, machine learning stuff and, and, and figure out, you know, how do we get to that next step change? How are we going to get better results moving forward? How are we doing this safer, more efficiently? You know, one question I have for Geolog is, you know, how do you guys as a company, how are you or who's in charge of, of following along with cutting edge technologies and the ideas? You know, what's happening in literature, what's happening in peer reviewed papers, the new ideas that are coming out that are making sense, the new technology that's going to have a step change to it. How are you guys managing that? You know, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool question because 
Because the way I see it, um, I've been here a year, but the thing that's really attractive is that there's, there's this overall culture of, a, of an appetite to innovate. And it's not just one person, it's everybody. Yeah, it's everybody. It doesn't matter where you are in the company, it doesn't matter how long you've been there, everybody has a voice, you know, and everybody, everybody is, is encouraged to think of new ideas and new ways of doing things. Um, because the overall um, uh, message is value for our customers. So the guys in the field, you know, have a different view on things to the guys back in the office or the guys in the laboratory. Yeah, and you can imagine all of that. So, you know, why, why, why have it based, why have it focused on one person when you've got 1,500 people? Yeah? yeah. So this continuing appetite to innovate, to push the boundaries, to deliver what our customers want, constantly um, updating and changing uh, what, what we can do to make it more efficient and to, and to make it easy for our customers to get that quality, consistent data, you know, quickly, efficiently, so they can use it in, in their, in their, um, in their forward thinking. I think that's really cool about, about this place. It's all about the value. Um, you know, whether it's oil and gas, whether it's geothermal, you know, it's that, it, it's that constant appetite to innovate, um, which I think is really, really cool. Um, you know, going forward, you know, we, we, we're constantly thinking about, you know, so, um, you know, energy transition, what else can we do in that energy transition space? You know, how can we build on our legacy from that? And how can we, we you, you hear this phrase, ge geothermal anywhere, geothermal everywhere, yeah? So how can we be a part of that and how can we make that happen? I think that's the, that's the, that's the really cool um, message that I'm, I'm pushing out as well to, to the guys and uh, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see where that takes us. Um, other things, you know, I mean, I haven't, talked, I haven't spoken to the boss yet about Bitcoin mining, you know, but, you know, hey, why not, you know? Um, there's, there's all that energy there that needs that could be harnessed. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things that that, that we can uh, that we can be doing. You know, I think the other great thing about the business and the company is, um, you know, we're we're agile enough to to adapt our portfolio, um, and our portfolio is strong enough such that um, to the benefit of our of our customers. So it's constantly adapting, constantly changing. Um, you know, if you if you've ever read uh, uh, um, blue ocean theory, you'll, you'll know about blue oceans and red oceans, and, uh, and, and in terms of um, of innovation, innovation cycles. So all that is is what's happening here, which is which is which is great. You know? We don't want to stand still. Stand still. Standing still is not an option. It can't be an option. Yeah. Um, one of my um, influences from a long time ago, and if he, if he listens to this, he'll know who it is. You know, once told me, you know, standing standing still means you become stagnant, and stagnant will eventually being stagnant will eventually lead to your to your uh, downfall. You know, just what you guys are doing here is this innovative, yeah. You know, so so I think I think from a company point of view, it's it's, it's a really you know it's it's um, innovation, it's been agile, it's those short reporting lines to be able to adapt quickly and move quickly with the with the times. How is it done? You know, how, how is it done in Geolog? Is it emails? Is it conference calls? Is it phone calls? Like, I have a new idea. Yeah. I saw a new machine. This is what it's all about. And how does that, that guy, that one of the 1,500 get heard and really listened to in Geolog? How does it actually work? Yeah, it's, it's all of the above. It's, it's basically, there's no, there's no forms to fill in, you know? It's, uh, it's hey, I've got an idea. Um, let's talk about it. Let's see what it means. You know, maybe like, you know, 
uh, try this, try that. It's it's a quick phone call um, to um, to the to the um, executive team, the company, and it's the case of yeah, let's do it. You know, what are the what are the what are the values? What are the advances? Where will it take us? Um, let's give it a go. You know, and and you know, first lesson of innovation is not being afraid to fail. Yeah, yeah, and um, and the second lesson of innovation is is cut out all of the um, all the red tape. Yeah, those those two things are are, are killers of, of innovation. So yeah, Jill with its, with its its private company, short short reporting lines, it, it's it's perfect for those types of things to um, to, to 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 flourish. Yeah. So yeah, we example, you know, one of the guys came came off the field the other day and like you know, clearly buzzing with some ideas, came through here, basically talk, you know, said, Oh, I've got these great ideas and like now we're kind of like thinking of ways in which we can potentially implement the ideas that he's come up with, just like that. So, so of course, there, there has to be some sort of financial controls and, and things. So we're not doing things like uh, recklessly. There, there, is, there, is, there is control um, through the system, but it's not bogged down in red tape and, uh, and oh, are you sure that will work? Yeah. It's really quite, the, the agility is, is, is really nice. Yeah. And I'd say, yeah, that's the most important thing is those ideas just being heard in general. Like you said, it's a logistical nightmare, right? Like you've got 1,500 employees, you know, you're sending equipment and people all over the world, right? And I'm sure everyone has, you know, something that, hey, this could be a little bit better or that can be a little bit better. But yeah, having the ability to integrate from, you know, the field to the op your office to the other offices, it's just yeah, I mean, I feel like that's worth its weight in gold. And I mean, you can kind of see that with the progression of Geolog, right? Like how, you know, you kind of touch on everyone from not only a geologist, but to a petrophysicist, all the way to production, all the way to yeah. drilling, right? It's yeah. it's it's more than just looking at cuttings. That's, yeah, that's we're, we're, exactly we're touching all of those all those key people in in in, a, in our in our customer base, and and that's really cool. Yeah. So how do you how do you vision? How if PBA podcast could go from one division to the next in Geolog and really explain and show, you know, how the drillers work and how the Rocky valve paralysis geochemists work and how the CEO and CFO works, how boots on the ground works, you know, putting a camera out there and like watching them collect the cuttings from real time and talking to them about that, you know, capturing all that. How does that how do you how do you plan on doing that? How do you tell the story of Geolog? The geolog can be summed up in, to me, this, and this is my personal opinion, in, in like you know, one, one, one phrase, it's, it's that, it's passion. It's the passion and drive to generate quality, consistent data for our customers. You know, and that, 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 that is how I would sum, sum up the, the company. And then you can basically expand on that by saying through its culture of innovation, its culture of R&D, um, this culture of listening to what the customer wants, yeah, and um, and, and, and generating um, equipment, building equipment and services that allows us to generate that data and, and those services, those products that the customer is interested in, yeah, and and that will just keep on going. I mean, we I'm not sure how many patents we have in, in the company, but it's you know it's you know something you know, around around fifty um, as we continue to to, to to innovate and rebuild these things. Wow. I mean, that is really, really cool to think about. And and that's definitely where I would like to go 
board, just my own experience, my own just information of, you know, the inner workings of, Ge of Geolog, new ideas that goes all the way to the CFO. And they're like, look, we're not going to spend $50,000 on something that's just not going to return its investment, you know? And then the person that thought of the ideas now gets the experience of like, uh, and, and knowledge and information of, oh, I better think of the next one economically because it, you know, it, yeah, it's a great idea, but it's just not going to work financially. That makes sense. You know, just the, the man, the inner workings of this company is really interesting to me. And and so the next 15, 20 years, 15, 20 years, you're going to get geothermal. Oil and gas is it's not going anywhere anytime soon. We're just going to get better and more efficient, safer. Um, you know, what what's the focus? Where do you see this going? How do you see your career going for the next 10 years, 15 years? I think, I think um, you know, data is important and how we deliver that data to our customers in an efficient way, how we can utilize um, um, AI and machine learning to, um, to more efficiently um, deliver, generate and deliver data to our customers. How we can, um, what, what, I, what I like is for, the, for our customer to be able to access our data from any device anywhere in the world. You know, uh, uh, so, you know, so I think data delivery is key using um, AI scripting, machine learning to um, to interrogate that data, to understand that data and deliver interpretations to that data to, to the customer on, on the fly really, really quickly. Um, I think that's that's probably a way for, I think everyone's doing, everyone's doing that and we're, we're in that space as well. I think that will be the big the big step change um, in, in our industry. Our customers will expect it, will demand it, and, and, and we need to be, you know, delivering it in that way. Right on, right on. I was thinking while you were explaining all that, just the uh, the complexity, I guess, of that, but also the reality that it, it has to happen. So you guys are preparing for that. You guys are the transition to that step change. I mean, well, we're doing it now. Yeah, we're, right. we're doing it now. Right. And, and it just, it, and just, that's just going to continually evolve um, as we go forward. So right. our customers that will demand... Um, so will demand, and, and they and their right to, to demand quality, consistent data delivered quickly uh, on to any any device anywhere in the world. How about uh, papers, peer-reviewed stuff? Getting, yes. getting what you guys do out there. Where are you at on that front? Yeah, no, it's a key, it's a key plank of, uh, of of what we do. So we are constantly um, um, doing doing a number of things, but peer-reviewed papers. With, with our customers um, uh, on, on particular, you know, whether it's case studies, whether it's, whether it's case studying a, a, a geographic area or basin asset, or whether it's case studying a particular type or combination of products and services, you know, those, those are crucial to our business, as they are with, with, with anybody, really. It, it, it's the credibility that's important, and uh, we, we do, we, we, we're constantly doing that, constantly, um, constantly doing that. Uh, talking at um, at uh, conferences or right. workshops, uh, we do a lot of work with SPWLA. Um, there'll be a shout out at the end. Um, constantly um, presenting in those those um, forums. Right on, right on. Well, that's that's definitely where the the magic really happens. Me and Skip's got a very fortunate experience of you know, getting our travel paid for and, and being able to go to those big events, right. And, and, and integrate with these people and, and butt heads and say, no, this is what I'm saying. This is what I think, you know, and, and, and watching a talk and looking at the data, 
those conventions are so valuable. And, you know, I would argue that we're starting to see maybe, uh, you know, it not seeming, you know, it, the, the conferences don't, don't seem to be, you know, generating a lot of interest. You know, there's a there's kind of an anomaly happening, and now we're seeing the APG and the SPE talking about merging, right, and and creating a bigger society that's more integrated, and the the concepts there. But you know, does Geolog send a lot of folks to these conferences? Do you guys go to several conferences a year? Yeah, so key ones, key ones, and obviously, yeah, you have to look at value because they're they're expensive, and I think the last two years for all of us globally has seen a big change in the in the attitude towards. Um, the 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 you know the 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 conference where you have like you know thousands of people attending maybe maybe those are the thing of the past but um, we you know we we get we get value out of going to um, no SPWA conferences where where we're presenting at them um, that's 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 the biggest value for smaller conferences maybe but you know we'll we'll pick and choose depending on what we want to do depending on what our messaging is but always we are encouraging our staff to present technical papers at these at these conferences because that, that that that's where the value is. Uh, we're no different to anybody else in that respect. Uh, whether it be geothermal or whether it be uh, oil and gas focused, um, you know, those those key things. And and certain conferences will have will have a, a will set up a booth as well. But I think the key driver for us is uh, is is presenting at, at those uh, at those conferences. That's great. I like that. I like that. We should do PBE conference once a month and just get people to come in and talk and <laughs> open go. it up to the forum. Just make See, it innovation. Yeah. Innovation. Let's do it. Let's just get that, 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 that camaraderie, right. And that engagement <laughs> and just get the new technology out there in, in, in several different ways. Yeah. If that, there could be something we can get into. What do you think? Oh, Skipper? Yeah. yeah. I'm here for that. <laughs> some way, some way to get the people engaged again, get the ideas flowing again yeah. after this COVID yeah. lull. That's right. Yeah. 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 We're, we're in a different world now, yeah? So they say. So they say. It's a wild one right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm certainly excited for you. Uh, how long have you been in Geolog now? Just about a year. About one year. Wow. Right I mean, I know, I've known these guys for a long, long time. But sure. I, uh, but physically working with them for, for, one, for about, one, about a year. Wow. A year going on many. I'm excited for Geolog. I, I love everybody over there that we got to work with. Um, I'm definitely down for more shows. Like you, you made a suggestion of going into departments and dr drilling down into that stuff, interpreting some of the data with the guys that are looking at it, you know, thinking of these new ideas and promoting them and showing that, yeah, the engagement is not always comfortable. We don't always agree, but that's where the magic happens. If you can get through those differences and think about it logically, maybe we can come up with something that's real. That's real value for people that yeah, yeah. are listening and tuning in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. You need to do that that um, that real time mud gas data, um, um, consistently measured mud gas data with the isotope data, which is so cool. It really Let's is so cool. So. Mm -hmm. Right on. But uh, yeah, get 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 Isaac in front of the camera. Uh, sir, anything? Any last words for the show? Just just a big thank you, guys. Really big thank you. Um, you know, loved it. Had a great time talking with you guys. Um, you know, we got a we got a commitment to to get this thing fired up. So, so that we'll see if we can make that happen. But no, I just really enjoyed the chat. The, um, the fact that we share the same values and views, you know, um, it's just great. So thank you very much.